we get in that mode of thinking that fast is good and that the quick student is the smart one, but maybe not. Maybe the genius is back there still working on that paper, but heaven forbid we let a third grader, you know, take his time. We always think everybody has, everything has to be fast. Empower You podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural, and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you. University of St. Francis Music Technology Bachelor's and Associate's Degree programs allow students to focus on the genre and specific area of the music industry that interests them. With concentrations in audio production, audio for video post-production, live sound, music business, and contemporary artist development, there's something for everyone. Here are just a few examples of students' music. Go to sf.edu to learn more. What is up? How's it going? Welcome to Empower You Podcast. My name is Kibboy Cooper, and I'm so glad that you are here. In our um, episode today, we're going to be talking about the future of education. Um, we are watching things unfold in society with between the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the changes and the ripple effects of what has happened um, in, in our world, we're watching these things take place, right? We're watching um, the continual ev evolution of the workspace and of what it looks like to be educated and have a skill set and to be able to make money and to be able to um, have things and, and work in your environments. And so um, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to create, we're going to talk about what it means um, to be creating your own way, right? We're going to talk about what the future looks like for us as individuals, right? And especially for students and for those of you who serve students and understand that what is relevant to them may not be as relevant to you, all right? So because the future is changing things. And so the Gen Z uh, young people and even the millennials were really starting to look at life a little bit differently. And that includes our education and our workspaces. All right. So that's that, right? But who we have coming on to talk about this is the really, really cool part, right? We have today to talk about the future of an education, an international speaker, a a a a individual with 40 years of education experience. She's the founder and the director of the MindCap Center, which is a cognitive function um, specialty that she works with students and other folks with cognitive delays or, or difficulties in order to sharpen their minds, right? 
And she's coming to us to tell us what she thinks is in store for your students, for myself, for any of us who are in the education or skill set space. And we're going to talk about what the future of education looks like. She's an absolutely brilliant person, and I can't wait to start this interview with her. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and bring her on screen. Jeannie, what's up? Hey, kid boy. So good to be with you. This is too much fun. Thank you. Thank you. It's so great to have you. I'm so glad you were able to take a little time out of your day to interview with myself and the lovely audience of Empower You podcast. I think it's really, mm. ugh, it's just awesome that you're here. Well, I am enjoying being with you. I listen to Empower You. You are the guru of podcasting. <laughs> so honored to spend this time with you to talk about, of course, one of my favorite topics in the whole wide world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we roll into the interview, before I start asking you all these questions, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do and 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 kind of what inspires you? Well, I started out in education long, long time ago, right out of college, and I spent 35 years in one school district, one big school district, and went from being a teacher to a school principal to being uh, a Title II director, then even an assistant superintendent. So had so many unique experiences with so many wonderful people with a very diverse group of children and parents, and I loved all the cultures that I got to interact with. So after about 40 years in education, I shifted out, took my retirement, and I was starting to get involved with an organization internationally called the Feuerstein Institute and started getting offers to train internationally. So I'm thinking, uh, Indiana or Australia, uh, Indiana or Amsterdam. I, I think I'll start doing this, this international work. So it's been awesome. So did about 12 different countries. And of course, with COVID, that's definitely slowed down for now. But in the midst of leaving the education world, like the public school world, I decided to get involved and start my own business. So I birthed the MindCap Center. So that's a part of my journey and it has been phenomenal to build something from ground up and to work on cognitive skills with people of all ages. I'm really loving what I'm doing. That's incredible. And it's incredible that your, your career has had so many different looks to it. And I think that's one of the things that is is difficult or was difficult for me when I was, you know, pursuing my education and things like that. I just didn't know what it would look like. I always thought it should look a certain way. And because I didn't know I can keep doing this thing and keep changing it to suit whatever is really serving me. You know, I just didn't realize that. So to see the the bandwidth that you still have uh, in your career is just amazing. Amazing. Do you ever get tired of what you're doing or like what what caused you to, you know, does it are you frightened at all when you change things up the way that you do? 
<laughs> there are moments. There are moments, especially when COVID hit. It was like, oh my word, are we going to be able to stay alive? Is the MindCap Center, as many small business owners had to wonder, will we survive this? And when we opened back up the summer of 2020, we came back strong. All of our clients came back and we've been growing ever since. But that doesn't mean you don't second guess yourself. You, as a leader, you try to make good decisions for your people, for your organization. And there's moments you're like, okay, should I do this or should I do this? And you've got to, every once in a while, put the brakes on and make some tough decisions about what's the next best step for us. And what I love about what I'm doing is that I've got a team of people around me that believe in what we're doing. So I don't feel alone. Plus, I got God in heaven. He's kind of helpful too. So I definitely use my prayer walk. And so I feel like I'm not doing it alone. And then I find people like you. So just makes it all fun and worth it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Being able to lean on people and also lean on your faith and your belief in what you're doing as as being the right thing for you. And so it's just going to take you where it takes you. I think that's mm-hmm. that's incredible. So what what hmm, I'm trying to figure out how I want to dive into these questions it's because our topic is the future of education. So what did you see happening in education that made you want to focus on the mind cap center right mm. what what was that what mm-hmm. gave you that idea like mm. hmm, maybe me this is mm. not the best because you're still teaching right yes yes but you're not Definitely. at all teaching the way that you used to so something yeah. had to have happened right mm-hmm. what what gave you that that mm. spark to be like this is not going to work i need to change how i'm doing this yeah I think it was when I saw there was a webinar that was going to be offered and it was how to teach for intelligence. And this was back in the 90s, Kibway, when you were just a little guy. And, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and at that time, we all believed that your intelligence was a genetic thing and pretty well established by the age of five. And it isn't going to change much after that. And that's what I was taught in my child psychology courses. And oh, so wow. when I saw a webinar, how to teach for intelligence, I'm like, what? What? You can't do that. So let me watch because I was at a school that had a lot of children from many different diverse backgrounds, a lot of kids in poverty and they needed some catch-up time. And I'm like, oh, well, let's see what this is about. And that's how I found the Feuerstein program that was launched in Israel after World War II to help the Holocaust survivors get their thinking back. Mm. And when I found that, I'm like, this is what I've been looking for, honestly, my entire educational career. In education, you have to agree, Kibwe, that your schools were always really good at what you should learn, right? Yeah. Algebra, how to read, how yeah. to do math, how to write, okay? And you got it, obviously, you got a really good education. You knew what to learn. But how often did teachers stop and work with you on how to learn? Never. Right. Uh, it's it, assumed yeah. this kid's got it or he doesn't, right? And fortunately, you had the magic sauce. Okay, you were a learner. You're still a learner. And there's many, many people that are just, they love learning and they embrace it. But even good learners 
can learn how to do it even better. Hmm. And with this program that I discovered, I'm like, oh my word, this is all about the how to learn. Oh my gosh, I, I want to get all of this that I can get. And that started the journey. And it took me about seven years, but I eventually then became a trainer in this program. And that's what launched the international work. But I see it wow. as the missing piece of education. We're so good with what to learn. We're not so good with the how. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. I'm trying to think of some of the innovative ways that I learned coming up. And I think one of the main things I figured out early was that I'm a hands-on type of person. I could remember just about anything as long as I was able to actually do it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I used to have issues with focus and things like that. And so um, that is very interesting because there's not nearly as many methods to, of learning as there are things or subjects that people want you to learn. Mm -hmm. What was the uh, mm -hmm. what's the jarring experience that you had um, that was just totally, you know, made your mind up that you were leaving the education department <laughs> and, and going to start your own thing? Uh, well, I was already out of education and just doing that international stuff. But I, I took a job with United Way. That's an international organization, by the way. They're all over the world. I hadn't realized that, but they're all over the world. And I was their director of community impact. Mm. And I got to meet men and women uh, like our friend Albert and got to be on his board. And so I got to meet people that care so much about their community and are change agents for helping um, our community be a better community. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how many nonprofit organizations there were in our community doing really, really good work. That was very inspirational to me because I had been in this world of public education. Kind, you know, the ivory tower, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd been living in the four walls of school and my work with United Way, I only did that work for three years, but it was enough to introduce me to some amazing people. And I saw how they had built organizations from ground up and it made me think, hmm, wonder if I could do that. Absolutely. So, yeah, well, yeah, but, you know, here I am, not exactly a young chicken, you know. I, <laughs> I'm this mature person that already is living on her school pension. And, but, but I have, I have uh, an incredible husband. So Rick has just been this great, whatever, you know, dream it, do it kind of guy in my life. So he's been right beside me all along the way saying, yeah, let's try this. So we started out the MindCap Center being a for-profit business. Hmm. And that was okay for about four or five years. And then I realized I wanted to serve families that don't have resources. And to do that, mm. I need to go after grants. Yeah. So then we went through the slog. <laughs> it's a ton of paperwork to switch a for-profit into a not-for-profit. It's much easier to just start out and build a, a non-profit from ground up. Yeah. I started a business, an S-Corp, 
paying small business taxes and doing all that. And then the government is kind of looking at you. Well, how come now you don't want to pay taxes? Well, what is all this about? So it takes longer to make the switch, but we did, we got it done. And now for two years, we've been a nonprofit and been able to pull down a couple grants here and there. So yeah, I've been inspired by other people that also looked at me. I got a great story of how I got into administration. You ready for that one? Oh, yes. Okay. So I, you're going to so laugh because you are such a technology savvy person. <laughs> but believe it or not, believe it or not, Kibway, for a couple years, I was a technology teacher. Okay. Yes. Okay. So back when <laughs> computers were just hitting the classroom, we're talking about the mid-90s, 1995, 96, 97. So I was, you remember the iMac? That was one of those early computers for children and, and classrooms. So, oh, I was so excited. And I was teaching adults uh, keyboarding. They had never touched a computer and they would type like this. And so afraid. Grandmas and and grandpas and teachers that were like, oh, we have to use these computers now. <laughs> so I lived through that and I helped people make that transition. So I'm at a school and I'm shoving an iMac on a roll table up a ramp from one classroom to another classroom. And Dr. Lowell Madden, he he was one of the professors and administrators, I think, at IPFW years ago. And he had been my assistant principal when I was a, a high school student. Mm. And Dr. Madden happened to be in the building and he said, Jeannie, how long are you gonna do this? And I thought he meant, how long am I gonna push, you know, this? Com-? I said, well, till I get it down to room 131. <laughs> Right. And Dr. Madden meant, no, you need to go get your principal's license. You need to become a leader in a school instead of pushing computers around on carts. And I was like, really? You think I could do that? You think I could be a principal? And he said, absolutely. And to have just one person speak into your life like that um, is pretty impactful. And so I checked into it and sure enough, I'd already gotten my master's degree. It didn't take too many more, about two years of taking courses, you know, here and there to get that administrator's license. And then I became a school principal for seven years. That's amazing. And I mm. think what's also very interesting that I'm, I'm and maybe I'm, um, Maybe I'm taking liberties, but you seem to me, I'm, I'm put, piecing your story together, like you take a lot of leaps. And <laughs> as a teacher, right, I don't feel like that many teachers do that. Mm. You don't traditionally take leaps into the unknown. That's not really their mm. shtick, you know? And I, I think I think you're right. Keep and, going. Yeah. Why? And, and, and so... What I'm hearing, you know, and then you then you also f- see something online about how to, you know, which is a webinar. So webinars, this is back in the early 90s. Everything about the Internet was super sketch still. Yeah. So not only are you a risk taker, but you're an early adopter as well. 
uh, which are both really difficult things to be in, I feel like, in education. Because in my mm. own experience with education and, and working with, uh, um, you know, teachers and people like that, they do not do free thinking. They do not think outside mm. of the box and they can be very rigid in their approach to everything. And mm -hmm. I think that's interesting because at my previous work, you know, I worked with a lot of um, a lot of very educated people. Right. Um, but what mm -hmm. I noticed is that they can't see past the nose on their face, mm -hmm. which you would think having a higher intellect would give you more ideas of the possibilities. But that's not necessarily true. And so that's why I think mm -hmm. it's so interesting the way mm -hmm. the, the way that you have progressed through this, because you've literally been looking into the future every single time you've made a shift and you've done it, even though it was super inconvenient at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, even so much to so to be sitting on a board and being like, I see a need for this. Mm -hmm. Does this make sense? Quote unquote, <laughs> maybe not, but I see yeah. this and I mm -hmm. feel like this is mm -hmm. what I need to do. And so mm -hmm. I just think that's a really powerful thing to be able to see something before mm -hmm. it happens and then have the courage mm -hmm. to actually manifest that. Because I, I'm sure there's probably a lot of folks who are from your class, right? Who, who came mm -hmm. into teaching at the same time that you are. And they're probably kind of still doing the same things that they were doing when you Oh, left. no, Kipway, they're all home and retired. Oh, wow. They're they're volunteering at their churches and doing some great things, but I, I you don't usually see people at, at my age, late sixties, late sixties, with absolutely no intention of retiring. I'll sh <laughs> I'll shift again. Here's here's my role model, uh, Professor Reuven Feuerstein, who created this incredible program that I'm a trainer for, was 92 years old. The day that he passed away, wow. still going to his office every day. So I'm thinking, okay, he went to 92. I'll set a I'll set a goal of I'll go till I'm 82. Mm. So I'll take 10 years off. That's incredible. So so so, <laughs> so go, yeah. well, go ahead, go ahead. Because I could go. I was, was going to say I've, I've got a, a super. I had a superintendent that she was just awesome, Dr. K. Novotny. She was just wonderful, and we were in a meeting together. I think it was when I was the school principal. I don't know what role I was in at the time, and I said something about I. I know that maybe this idea is a little bit outside of the box, and Dr. K. just shook her head. She says, "Jeannie, you don't have a box." That's a blessing. <laughs> I just had to laugh. I went, okay, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good thing. But I'd love to go back to your comment about educators. There are incredible teachers that are creative and have amazing ideas, but they have been boxed in by standardized testing. Mm. It's all about getting kids ready to take a test and to make the school look good, to make the school district look good. And so there are teachers that if they could shut the door and do what they really wanna do, they would be amazing and they would do so many creative things and some still do, there are certainly those that do. But what I sense is so many classroom teachers 
are are being literally boxed in by right. the the heavy weight of standardized test scores. Wow. That's really interesting. So because you teach cognitive function, do you feel like standardized tests are in, um, I don't know, not in com competition necessarily, but do you think that creates friction, unnecessary friction for kids because it doesn't actually help them learn? It just helps them regurgitate? Yeah. Yeah, I there's kids that I remember, you know, being teary, you know, wanting to cry on this day because of the pressure. At first, it was pressure on us as principals to make sure your kids do well. Well, then we pass that pressure on to teachers while well, they just pass that pressure on to their beautiful students who mm -hmm. feel like, oh my gosh, I've got to do the best I can possibly do on this mm -hmm. test. And and I don't know, but as a 10 year old, is that a way to live? No. Is that a way to go to school being under this pressure? I, I'm not against testing. At some point, we all have to prove and defend what our brain is capable of doing, but it seems like it has taken a disproportionate amount of importance. I think we've tipped the scales too far. Yeah, that's interesting. And so do you feel like your work with the MindCap Center, which we're going to dive into a little bit of what the MindCap Center is and where it, it originates, right? Because you teach a modality, right? I know we use a lot of modalities, but uh, we are teaching um, thinking skills, specifically not any academics. Mm, that is so interesting. I have so many questions. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> y'all, so listen, me and Jeannie go back some years. And ever since mm -hmm. I met Jeannie, I've just been fascinated by everything that she does. And we've had a really great opportunity to continue to work together on different projects. And I just I just don't ever get tired of hearing about how she helps people, because when I was a kid, I used to think I was dumb. I, I thought I was very talented as far as like creative, but I didn't think I was very smart in that way. And so my mother had to do a lot of work with me to help me gain confidence in certain areas. And then as I gained more confidence, I started to just go out and do stuff I wanted to do, you know, even if it was wrong, you know? And so <laughs> I took a lot of knocks on the head to get things right. But the the strategies that, you know, the fact that you just, you, you teach learning skills, you know, like that's a totally different way of thinking about education. And that's why I think it's so awesome that we're talking about this in this topic, because I think that's the way of the future, my personal opinion. I mm -hmm. think it's going to be less about the subject matter and more about the way that you can process and properly implement inf information of whatever mm -hmm. kind for a specific mm -hmm. goal. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And what you're talking about exactly was the goal of education back in the 1800s. It was, we want to create curious people that want to go out and learn more. So teachers took great pride in having children that, yes, they knew a lot of material, but they also wanted to learn more. They wanted more. And that has kind of been replaced with all the standardized testing mm -hmm. and grades. 
and um, and and clicks clicks on a computer program. <laughs> and I I love computers. I love my Mac computer, but it's a tool. It's yeah. not an end goal in itself. So the passion for learning is something that uh, we need to bring back to education. And I think somehow your parents did that well for you. If you didn't get it at school, Kibway, you certainly got it from home. Yeah, I, I, I'm very thankful. We had a, um, my mother was very well educated and spoke a couple of languages and she was a natural teacher. And then my father was super creative, built lots of things, plays lots of instruments to this day. Um, used to sing and write music all the time. So I I believe exactly what you're saying. Like there was a, a good balance of both of those different thinking styles, which allowed mm -hmm. me to find space, you know, mm -hmm. to, to figure out how I learned. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of students don't have that. So so tell us about how how the MindCap Center works um, mm -hmm. and, and what you do with these young people that you meet. And, and it's more than young people, right? These are anybody. All ages, yes. We like to say three to 83, but I think some of our <laughs> clients are even older. <laughs> they might even be late 80s. So yeah, originally I, when I discovered Feuerstein, my purpose and goal was to help children be better learners, of course. And that's how I used it as long as I was in education. But then when I started MindCap, I kept seeing new groups of people who needed this program. For example, women coming through the prison system or the court system with addictions at Redemption House. So I've used this program there for 10 years. One night a week, I go there and the women love it that I'm not focused on their addiction because I'm not an addiction counselor. I'm right. their brain coach. So I'm talking about how to get their brain to work better. So my focus is on their future, not their past. And they like that. They like having somebody that comes in with that kind of focus. And I had been training through United Way all over the community, different organizations and United Way sponsored that. Thanks for listening to Empower You Podcast. I want to take a second and tell you about a service I've been using that has literally changed my life. Akita Ricks, the founder of SawyerScore.com, helped me erase negative items on my credit score, provided me a clear path to improving my credit, and raised my score by 100 points in the first 90 days. Like, Whoa. The best part about all of this is all I had to do was follow instructions. Now, if you're like me and you need a credit bestie, you need to click the link below and schedule your absolutely free discovery call today. Tell them Kidboy sent you. And so then when I started um, getting this idea of could I, could I possibly have a center, I started looking at some of the people I had trained and I found a speech pathologist, an occupational therapist, a couple teachers, um, a couple people that were just really good, had good people skills. You don't have to have letters behind your name to work for me, which is kind of cool. And, but you've gotta have some, you gotta be a learner. You gotta be a person who is curious and who wants to dive into learning how to learn. So anyway, I, there were just four of us that started out and now there's 10 of us. And I finally have an office manager and a bookkeeper and we've had about 500 clients come through the MindCap Center in the last seven years. Wow. And I think we're running I don't know, maybe a 90% success rate. Every once in a while you hit 
a child that um, we didn't succeed with, but boy, are they rare. Mm. They're really rare. We did a, a research project for Parkview um, Health Systems and because doctors have children that do not respond to any of the ADHD medications or their parents oh, wow. are saying, yeah, he can focus while he's on his meds, but then he can't sleep or his appetite has been impacted or when he comes off of his medication from four to six o'clock, he's a little monster. So <laughs> don't like these meds. So can we shift to a more a more natural way? So with the MindCap Center, we're helping clients see that they can rewire their brain by focusing on these very challenging exercises. They're like solving puzzles, but you don't do it alone. We're sitting right there. We're asking questions. We're not teaching in the traditional method of direct instruction. Instead, right. we're asking you questions for your brain to answer, for your brain to be engaged and to figure it out. Right. So we're helping you do the hard cognitive work, but we're right there. And we never say, hurry up. Mm, yeah. Do you remember being in school and feeling like the kid who turned his paper in first must be really smart? Yep. <laughs> All we, the time. The, we get in that mode of thinking that fast is good and that the quick student is the smart one, but maybe not. Maybe the genius is back there still working on that paper but heaven forbid we let a third grader, you know, take his time. <laughs> we always think everybody has, everything has to be fast. So anyway, I built a team of about 10 people and we, we're usually running 30 to 50 clients at a time and they come maybe once a week, sometimes twice a week. Our best model is if you say you were in a car accident a year ago and you still have brain fog mm. and you look fine, you're back to work. Your family doesn't see that you have any issues, but you know you're not all the way back, that you still struggle with some brain fog or short-term memory. So we might have you come in and work with us for a week every day, maybe three hours a day oh, for a wow. week. And let me tell you, that really kickstarts the brain really? to get rewired. Yes, it's intensive but it's fun and we make you eat in between because the brain uses 20% of all your calories. So it's important that you, oh. you feed your brain in between those sessions and drink a lot of good water, a lot of water to get it hydrated. And the brain can start rewiring in that week's time. And you all of a sudden, parents will say on the third or fourth day, we think we see a change already. Is that possible? I go, yep, we see it all the time. Wow, this is blowing my mind right now. <laughs> well, good. Because so it's glad. so opposite of the way so many of us are taught, I feel like. Gotta go fast. Everything's on a timer. Um, yeah. You absolutely should know this. And, and you know, you think the smartest kid in the room who gets stuff done early, probably, you know, you know this. And so it doesn't, it's not difficult for you to figure it out. And the other thing that you said that is really interesting. You said, God forbid we let a three-year-old take their time. <laughs> or a fourth grader. Right. Uh, you know, and yet think about people that you know are geniuses, right? 
They're inventors and they may take a year to create something incredible. And we give them a year, you know, and we call them a genius because it took them a year to figure out how to write that musical or create that that new technology. We give them all kinds of time, but heaven forbid a child be given a lot of time. So we actually work pretty relaxed and you're being challenged. So we don't want time to be a pressure because the tasks we're imposing upon your brain are quite challenging. We're trying to find what we call a sweet spot of challenge. Mm. It's not so hard. I want to curl up in the corner and cry. Because if it's really easy, we would be wasting your time. Right. But it's supposed to be challenging. Challenging, yeah. Sweet spot of challenge. So when you talk about education being, uh, it can be very like pushy, right? Pushing you from one thing to the other. I think it's interesting because that's the same thing people say about Gen Z and and millennials, Mm. right? We're impatient. Everything's got to be right away. We don't take our time. I'm like, but we've learned to be like that because the education system has taught you that if you don't do this in this amount of time, you're a failure. If you don't have all the right answers in this amount of time, you're a failure. So we're starting to see at least, you know, and I'm just putting some of this together as we're speaking because, you know, you've had the the benefit of watching these things and these trends take place over time. And I think that's one of the reasons why you're such a great educator is because you're observant of what is really needed rather than what it, people are just saying. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank, you know, yeah, and, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And you can only get those perspectives when you've seen things, when you are, have an opportunity to be like, I've heard this before. Mm, I have been around for a while. Uh, you yes. know, <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's so that's so great. So for for who do you first, who do you prefer to work with? Um, children or adults in, in oh, the mind Oh my gosh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> that's a loaded question because I, like today, I worked with two women who are about my age and feel like they want to keep their brain going and they feel like they're under stress and loved working with them. Um, but I also might work with a four-year-old on the autism spectrum that doesn't even have a lot of language And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to do something totally different with them. Um, But I will tell you, I love teenagers. Yeah? Yeah. I love teenagers because you can be really honest with them and they'll be honest with you. And I really like that. Mm, That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And, And the whole idea of keeping your brain sharp. I know in, in the environments that I've worked in, a lot of times people who have been there, been a part of the system, they don't want to learn anything. They, they avoid learning new things at all costs. And I don't understand that. So when you're working with these different kinds of clients, do you run yeah. up against the different ideologies about learning? You know, we've all heard the term, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks and all this other kind of stuff. But, you know, what what is your take on on the brain and how you should be working with it throughout your life and over time? Well, I don't know about dogs, uh, Kibway, and new <laughs> tricks, but, <laughs> but I know humans can learn new information and new cognitive skills 
as long as they are walking and talking and alive, as long as the brain is health, reasonably healthy and alive, it can grow new connections. And this is new neuroscience. Now it's about 30 years old, but that's kind of new in the science world, okay? And I'll tell you, people on the street don't know it. People think, oh, I'm too old for that. Oh, I wouldn't be able to learn that. Well, think about it. Let's say you think you're horrible in art. Oh, I could, I can't even draw a stick man. You know, I can't, I, I'm not an artist. I'll never be able to be an artist. Okay, so let's take up that challenge. What if I got you a phenomenal art teacher? I happen to know one, his name is Tom. And you spent maybe an hour a day with Tom for three weeks. Do you think in three weeks time, you might learn how to just do some simple drawing, sketching, paint? Of course you would. With the right motivation, the right teacher, and a little bit of time, honestly, the brain can learn almost anything. It's up to you to just pick and choose what do I want to invest the time in? Because mm. the brain grows connections as it's provided two things. Now, given it has to have good sleep and nutrition, once we get past that, that you're treating your brain well with good nutrition and exercise and water and all that and sleep. Okay, let's get past that. Now, the two things the brain needs to grow these new connections, challenge and novelty. Mm. If something is a little bit challenging and novel, it's new. I've never done this before. The brain is going, wait a minute. I don't know how to do this. Oh, you're going to make me do it. Oh, we're going to practice at it. Oh, okay. Then I guess I need to grow some new dendritic connections. Those are the little branches that grow off of every neuron. Wow. This is fascinating because... I think that's the the missing piece, right? How many things could we accomplish if we had better tools on how to think through the problems, through the challenges, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and there's a lot of people with preconceived notions about themselves because of what they've been told about their thinking style and what they've been told about, um, you know, the way that they process information or whether they don't read fast or all these other kind of things. And so what I'm, what I think, what I see is students or young people who are very disengaged with with mm. the establishment, as it were, mm -hmm. you know, who are very, mm -hmm. they're anti all of it because mm -hmm. they don't feel like they fit into it at all. So what, what would you tell, what's something you want, you know, young people and anyone else who's listening to this podcast who's mm -hmm. interested in education, who's interested in self-betterment, who's interested in, in overcoming mm -hmm. their next thing? What is the mm -hmm. one thing you want them to understand about this process of, of that you mm -hmm. teach? Yeah, um, two things. One, that the brain continues to grow and it's never too late. If you're that sweet old age of 15 or 16 and you already think, oh, I hate math, I'll never be good in math. Oh, nay, nay. It is still possible for your brain, but you do have to lean into it a little bit. And that's the other piece. Understand the brain can change and grow and learn new things and be willing to lean into the challenge. I tell kids, think about a door you're trying to open and it's kind of stuck and you put your shoulder against it and lean mm -hmm. into it. Well, you may have to look at a new subject that you've got and try to out outthink your teacher 
If you got a teacher you don't really care for, they seem to be grumpy or you don't like their style, start trying to outthink them and go, what's he going to say next? How's she going to make us do this next test? And keep your mind engaged in trying to outthink or outsmart the teacher. Not to be tricky or deceitful, but to literally stay a, a step ahead of them. And that's kind of a fun game to play. Instead of, of sitting around thinking about, oh, I don't like this teacher. Well, you're kind of wasting a whole bunch of time with those kind of thoughts. Instead, go, hmm, I wonder what kind of test she's going to throw at us next. And try to outthink her. Get ahead of her. For mm, him. That's interesting. Outthinking your teacher and leaning into it, even though it's a little difficult. Mm -hmm. That's really valuable. Mm, okay, so... In the next five to 10 years, what are some changes that you see? Because you're a visionary. I know you maybe you don't call yourself that. You are literally a visionary. And as I listen to you, you've taken every opportunity to be ahead of the curve and to do the dangerous thing. And you've landed every single time. <laughs> so for you what do you think is the next five to ten years what do you what what changes do you foresee i i think that education is going to attempt this hybrid model of doing online learning and live learning but as we see anxiety keep heightening and getting worse i think at some point parents are going to cause the change because they're going to start pulling their kids out and i think mm. they're going to look for small personal groups that will teach my child. So I, I think we could start seeing either public education makes the shift or parents are going to make it for them because I'm afraid as the system fails the children, parents are going to say, you know what, a bunch of us can get our kids together during the week and hire our own teacher and my child is going to be loved. Isn't that the one number one thing you want your child to be appreciated and loved by that teacher? Yeah and taught so that she loves learning instead of just going to school and be a part of just one more kid in a huge system. So public ed is gonna have to take some lessons from some of the private schools that are doing a lot of that personalized learning and really caring about the kid. And maybe some public schools will. Maybe some public schools will wake up because I think we've got a lot of anxiety and a yeah. lot of children who need the personal attention. They need to know someone cares. Yeah. It's real simple. Yeah. So either public school does it or parents may start pulling their kids out. Then we may start seeing more small charter schools, more yeah. home schools, more group. I know of one already, a home school that isn't in a home it's in a church where a teacher and she does a fabulous job of making sure kids if they're in third grade math their book is the third grade math book but if they're reading at sixth grade level they have a sixth grade book every kid's program is completely personalized i think that think is parents incredible. might like that i think so do you think yeah. that's gonna impact online education i think online education is gonna explode um it may i i agree it may but only for those kids who can learn well and there are there are kids that did better online than they did when they were going to school 
That's very so interesting. I, yes, I've had some parents tell me that it was perfect for my kid. But here's my concern is those are also kids that don't have very good social skills and they uh, were being bullied. And so how are they going to build social skills? Yeah. Sitting in front of a computer. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. What is so you see a lot of different types of people. And so for me, you know, my audience, you know, I have listeners from 25 to, to 44. Um, a lot of them are female. Um, and then I also have younger audiences too, from about 18 or 16 to 22. What is something that you see from a cognitive level, right? That you see a lot of us tripping up doing that if we mm. stopped doing that, we could, mm. you know, and maybe these folks are not, wouldn't be your clients, right? But no. if you no. could tell someone like, if you start working on these things, you'd see some significant changes in the way that mm. you're processing information. Cause I, I feel like mm. we all do similar things, right? We're all humans, yeah. right? And so we yeah. handle our stress or whatever our trauma is a certain ways. And so I'm wondering for you, because you have all this knowledge, as you watch and see people's behavior and stuff, what what red flags come up for you? Because I'm mm. sure you're just like, mm, that's that. Mm, mm, OK, just going to be nice and not say anything. But uh, you definitely are having this type of reaction. Like what mm -hmm. what would you say are a couple of things people could start doing? that would hmm. help them? One thing is you've got to make a decision if you're a 20-year-old or even a 50-year-old. You've got to decide, does your smartphone control you or do you control your smartphone? So I encourage people to turn the notifier off on their texts on both their computer and their phone because I watch people that sit in training with me and that little phone vibrates or there's that little ding and they pick it up every time. It They're being trained like dogs. <sighs> so as long as you keep picking this thing up every time it dings, guess who's controlling who? Yeah. So I turned mine off about two years ago because I realized I was getting that little dopamine hit Ooh, somebody wants to talk to me. Ooh, someone sent me a message. I want to see what they said. Well, we're, oh, we should be over that. We know that we're getting so many texts and so many emails that most of us are on overload with information now. So if you could control the flood of information by, if you've got a project you need to work on, if you've got your notifiers turned off, you need 20 to 30 minutes to focus. You're writing a chapter, you're composing music, you're painting. I don't care. You're just trying to read a textbook. If you can keep your mind focused on one thing at a time for 20 to 30 minutes, your brain then can take it all in and you're going to learn it. You're going to stay focused on it. But every time you stop and, oh, well, let me just check this. Well, let me just check the email. Well, let me just, your, your brain is all broken up by that. So control, you be in control. So you can, t I, I just say, oh, I wonder who's texted me in the last hour and I'll pick up my phone 
So do you think people, most people who are texting me could wait one hour before I text them back? Yeah. Yeah. They don't have oh, to have an instant text back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> and emails now, we are so buried in emails that you're lucky to get somebody to email you back. It, where it used to be, you know, you'd get an email back in a few hours. Now I can wait days. And now Google says, do you want to nudge this person again? Like, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they haven't answered you in three days. <laughs> And I just have to laugh. I'm like, we're too buried. We're too buried in all this information. So we do have to detox the brain from technology by taking a total break from it. And I'll tell you the best way to do that is nature. God's God did a really good job when he created the beach and oceans. Where's your favorite place to vacation, Kibway? What do oh, you like to man. do? Man, so favorite place to vacation. Mm-hmm. I've been to Atlanta a couple times and I really enjoy it down there. Um, I'm mm. going to go back again in December and do some more exploring because I think I'm going to move down there. But um, I've been saying that for a while. But outside of that <laughs> vacation, I don't know. I don't vacation very much. <laughs> Isn't that well, terrible? I highly recommend it. I thought I remembered you talking about camping at one point. Yeah. Th- so, okay. so that's been my thing this year. It's like I've decided I'm going to take a certain number of trips. And uh, I went to Shade State Park, which was incredible. Um, I went out to Michigan and stayed in some little bitty cabin. um, And it was amazing. Uh, And then I just have done some other different little short hiking trips. So I don't know where what my favorite is yet, but it's got to be some something that allows me to detox from from other things you know and be around either trees okay or mountains or water right don't we love lakes and beaches and yeah okay well they've done research and they've determined that when we are out in nature our brain releases serotonin which is the the be happy feel good neurotransmitter And literally just being near water gives your brain serotonin. And when you're in a woods, when you're camping, when you're hiking, there's increased levels of oxygen coming off the trees, much more oxygen in a forest than, say, in your office. So when I get overwhelmed at work sitting here, I'm at my desk right now talking with you. So when I'm feeling like, oh, my gosh, I got so much I need to do. And I, what should I do next? And I can feel the... The, the the overwhelmed sense of feeling. Yeah. I just I just put everything down and I walk out the door. I happen to have beautiful woods behind our office. We just got really blessed that they had this office space next to to trees. And I'll just take a walk on the sidewalks and purposely choose to go by the, the where the trees are at, like five, ten minutes. And when I come back, it is totally gone. That sense of being overwhelmed and, oh, my word, I'm not going to be able to get everything. It's gone. That is so just good. Ten, so controlling, controlling mm-hmm. how you use devices, right? And training your mind mm-hmm. to be able to focus, you know, mm-hmm. 20, 10 minutes at a time, 20 minutes at a time, mm-hmm. 30 minutes at a time will help repair that anxiety that we feel mm-hmm. around devices mm-hmm. and yeah. then just getting out into nature more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen anxiety rate go up 
um, in correlation to use of smartphones. They say the longer you're on uh, a certain social media platform, <laughs> the the more depressed you become. Wow. Because what do people post? They post how perfect their lunch was, how all of my family, we all love each other and we're the perfect family and look at my new outfit and I'm, I'm working out at the gym and look at my new muscles. I can't believe, you know, what people post. And it's like all this beautiful, wonderful stuff. And that just makes you feel less and less. <laughs> so I, I have to use social media. I, I help promote MindCap through social media. And I get on and I look at posts, but after a while, when I realize I am just randomly scrolling, I'm very aware of what I'm doing. And I'm like, nope, put it down, Jeannie, move on to something else. I've been, um, that's so true. I have been, when I catch myself scrolling, I make a post. Mm -hmm. Like about my something business. Something positive, yeah. Yep. yeah. You know, so yeah. that's been, that's kind of, and I think that's helped me a lot too, because instead of always scrolling, I'll say, I just looked at like 30 people's content. Where's mine? <laughs> and so I'll make a post and then I'll, yeah. and then that exhausts that need to do something on social media. And then yeah. I'll put my phone yeah. away because I don't care yeah. after that. Right. You want that dopamine hit. You get caught up in this cycle of scrolling and you really don't do anything at all. How and many likes did I get? Right, you know. And so for me, I'm like, what is, you know, what is what is my purpose? If I'm going to be on here and scroll at all, well, then you also need to make a post or engage yeah. with somebody who said something about your stuff or mm -hmm. engage with someone mm -hmm. you're trying to connect with. Like every time that's that's kind of how I've done that. But I love the the idea because I, I already turned my notifications off. I, I can't you. stand the amount of dings and stuff that I get. I'm in a family chat and there's nine of us. So if everybody <laughs> responds twice, you got so many messages. And so I was like, oh, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing this. You know, and so I, I I love that. I think that is so valuable to to retrain yourself to be able to focus longer. Mm -hmm. Because for mm -hmm. me, when I'm trying to do different tasks, I realize that they probably only take like a fraction of as, as of as long as I think they're going to take when I actually focus on it. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's difficult to get that mm -hmm. quality focus mm -hmm. for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. The, you asked for a couple. I'm going to give you another one, too. And that's be aware of your body language when you're having a conversation with someone. If you want that person to know you are fully engaged with them, be sure you put your phone in your pocket or lay it down because it's real tempting to talk to them, but you're texting and parents do this with their children. So they're looking at their child over their shoulder. Yeah, honey, how was your day at school? Yeah, uh-huh. Well, just a minute, I gotta finish this post or, or just a minute, or um, a mom or dad might be on a laptop and they're working at home and they're looking over their shoulder at their child, giving them some attention. But if you really want your child or your friend or your spouse, your significant other to know you really care, your shoulders are facing them. They have your full body uh, facing them and you're looking mm. them in the eye and you're not texting, you're not typing, 
you are fully engaged in what they've got to say. Now they know you care. You want to show you care, make sure your whole body shows that. That's amazing. Mm, the communication and just the way that you pay attention mm-hmm. is, is super interesting. And people will receive you better for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So what do you, you've got grandkids, right? I do, four. Oh, so what do you think, what do you tell them they should get into? Mm. What industries do you like a lot that you think that's going to be awesome? You should, you should look into that as a visionary i see this growing a lot you should check this out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, i think i think psychology is an awesome field okay um and as long as you have a faith-based uh, because i think a christian psychologist i'm just going to trust more because you've got a moral base for the decisions and the and the good advice you're giving me. So if somebody's got a good biblical background and they've studied psychology, and I think they're gonna have an amazing career because right, right now you can't get in to get a counselor right now. They're booked yeah. three and four and five months out. So I see that continuing to, to be a great field to, to get into is psychology. And boy, we're gonna we're gonna need people in education big time. So I hope that we can talk some of our young people into becoming teachers, but maybe being different teachers than how they experienced. Yeah. Can they be a teacher that really engages with their students? Because we're desperately gonna need good teachers. We need them now. We're short now. Yeah. Wow. He said, psychology and education, you think are gonna are gonna take over. How to think about yourself and how to think about complex topics. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think that's I think that's on the money. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I think that's on the money. I love that you are such a I don't know, it's it's to me, I just think it is so valuable to be able to see things before they happen right mm. to be able to notice and it's difficult to live in a world where everything is very instantaneous but you see things that are farther ahead than that and so you're always trying to maneuver yourself forward and for any of our listeners you're probably in that same space right you see things that haven't quite taken hold yet but you you truly feel like this is something that is true and real for me so you got to figure it out. And I think um, what Jeannie was just saying as far as like learning how to focus longer, it's going to make a wild, a huge difference because anybody else in your space is going to struggle with the same things that you struggle with. And things like being able to focus are just huge, you know, especially for like millennials and Gen Z, like we are wired at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody's ADHD now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so um, I ask one, I have two more questions. Okay. So one okay. is mm-hmm. um, a question I've been asking my guests um, that I like a lot and I think is an opportunity for my guests to completely be themselves. And then, then the last thing is going to be 
the thought exercise because we got to mm. do a thought exercise. I mean, you are okay. the 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 cog the brain builder, <laughs> the international brain builder. Mm. Um, and I would love to hear first, what do you wish people would ask you about yourself? Mm. <laughs> Oh, I didn't have that answer ready to play. Probably, I would, I love it when people do ask me how my faith motivates my work because I do think that that is a, a major, a major force for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's a beautiful verse that Paul wrote. He said, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And for me, that's kind of a life verse. And I feel like I get to give it hands and feet. So anytime people ask me about does, does your faith impact your work, I love to draw them to that verse and see how I've been able to, con to connect this incredible program from Israel. I like to say two Jewish guys have really influenced my life. <laughs> <laughs> one named Reuven Feuerstein, one named Jesus, the Messiah. <laughs> That's <all laughs> absolutely. So you feel like your faith gives you the fuel you need and the perspective you need to really meet your clients where they are. Absolutely. That's really, that's amazing. Uh, all right, okay. Thought exercise, thought exercise. Okay. We gotta have one. I'm excited to hear this okay. because you've already mm. given us so many great things to think about. And as you all are listening to this and you're, you're in your office or you're going someplace, you're walking, you're running, you're cleaning your house, Think about how you can start training yourself to focus longer, turning mm -hmm. off your notifications, you know, set a timer, you know, see how long you can focus on something. I think that is so valuable. We can probably buy back hours of our time just by being able to focus in, 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 in larger increments. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, thought exercise. Thought exercise. Anything that okay. you like to do that helps you get through a rough day, that you personally stand by, that maybe some uh, thought exercise you not like to do, like you gave us one about the trees, but we want another one. <laughs> another one. All right. Okay, so consider your brain the hardware. Okay. And your mind is what writes the software for that hardware, your brain. So see, most people walk around thinking, well, I just am what I am. You know, I'm not good in math or I'll never be a musician because my brain can't do it. No, the mind actually is at a higher level than the brain. The brain is the hardware, but your mind writes the software. So if you want a new program for your brain, your mind can get busy and start writing that software program. So if there's something you've always thought you wanted to do, what are you waiting on? Get started. Want to learn how to speak French? Start working on it. You want to go back and take algebra? Go back and take algebra. That's amazing. You said your brain is the hardware, 
but your mind is the software. Mm-hmm. So write write a new program. Your mind is the higher the higher level tool that you can use to change that brain for the better. And this is no matter where you are or whatever your background is, or or yes. or okay. That's that's a really great way to 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 put that. My nerd brain is going wild right well, now. Well, I thought you might like yeah. that technology connection. <laughs> Listen, y'all, this has been an incredible interview. Jeannie, how can people connect with you? How can they get their children or their students or themselves involved with MindCap? How mm. do they access you? Um, because if they're anything like me, they're probably thinking about all the things that they've been telling themselves they don't do well. And they're like, maybe none of this is true. If I could get just 25% more clear, less brain fog, more focus, what could my life be? I need to talk to this lady. How do people get a hold of you? How do they talk mm -hmm. to your staff? How do they get involved? Well, you can find us at our website, and that's mind-cap.org. You can email me at Jeannie, J-E-A-N-N-E, at mind-cap.org, and I will, and I answer all my emails. That is amazing. <laughs> Every email. And I'm usually within 24 hours, people get a response from me. I do free consultations, like... I'll gladly just sit and chat with someone. I'll give you 45 minutes to an hour. You're just curious. Could this be a program that helps me? Um, I'm going to give you some time to help you make, make that decision. And also, I, I happen to know this guy who's really good in podcasting. And so <laughs> he's helping me produce a new podcast called Build a Brain, the Build a Brain podcast. And so... Every episode focuses on one of the 28 thinking skills. And so you'll be able to look them up as Kibway rolls those out. That's you'll right. be able to look up and go, oh, I want to look at the one about focusing or I want to look at the one about hypothetical thinking. And you'll be able to just listen for a quick 30 minutes to see if there would be a way that you could use some of those ideas to improve that thinking skill for yourself personally as an adult or if you're mentoring a child or you're parenting a youth and you want to help them so it's for self-improvement but also for those whose lives you touch that is amazing for any of those who are interested in genie i will absolutely put the descriptions or the connection links to the website and to build a brain podcast, which is incredible, by the way. Like I've never, I realized the other day in a musical rehearsal that I was blocking. Mm. I was completely over and blocking is like when you're really oversaturated and you're just not gonna be able to learn anything more. Um, there's a way more eloquent way of saying it that, um, and you'll have to listen to the podcast about it. but. One of the, the principles that Jeannie was talking about in the pod, on her podcast was blocking. And so I'm just by being around Jeannie am learning more ways to to not only nurture and understand myself, but also help myself when I'm starting to get anxious or frustrated about something. I'm mm -hmm. like, OK, I feel like Jeannie talked about this in one of the episodes, <laughs> you know, and so 
it's all about the tools you have. So that resource will be available and absolutely go check out Jeannie's website. When I tell you the things that she is teaching will change your life. If you are anything like me and none, and it's very frustrating for you to try to do things conventionally, you are going to love everything Jeannie is about. It is a true blessing. Thank you so much for being here, Jeannie. Oh, thank you for this opportunity. This has just been awesome. Thank you, Kibway. Yes, yes. So for y'all, go ahead, go to wherever you're listening to this, drop five stars, drop a, a comment and say, thank you, Jeannie. I learned a lot. Do it, do it, do it right now while you're thinking about it because we want to make sure we show love and show support to the folks who come to Empower You Podcast and who share with us because we need it, right? We're walking around looking for more tools so we can overcome our processes, so we can become that thing we want to be. And they freely share with us. And so the least we can do is say thank you. So click the links and visit Jeannie. It's going to be the best decision you ever made. Jeannie, thank you so much again for being here. Mm -hmm. Uh, To everybody else who's listening, we have more episodes coming up for you guys at a later date. But for now, I will talk to y'all later. Peace. Empower You Podcast is devoted to bringing real-world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural, and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you.